Thank you, sir. What's going on, Victory Church? Let's try it again. What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing this morning? I, uh, I like to exercise while I work out, so I'm going to need me an exercise. I tried the bench press, but I couldn't get enough weight, so we're just going to go with the seesaw. That's an important prop for you today. Uh, how you doing? My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor Victory Church. And if you're visiting with us this morning, I want to say welcome. It's so glad to have you here. It kind of, I, I can already tell the, the crud starting to go around. You're starting to get into fall weather, and everybody's voice is starting to get affected and so on. Y'all feeling good today? You excited to be in church? Yeah. Let me just kind of back up real quick what Pastor Brian said about a couple of things. One is growth track. I was so excited yesterday. Um, we had four different groups of people come into this place and clean the floors and clean the bathrooms and set up kids' ministry and set up production, set up what you're seeing. And I'm just so excited to be a part of a church where people come ready to serve. And so you had people get here early this morning, and as you saw, opening doors, putting stuff out in the parking lot, prepping to be able to minister to your children this morning. And so the dream team is the heartbeat of this church. And so if you're in your seat and you're like, man, I want to be on my feet. I want to be a part of what they're talking about. Growth track's where it's at. Step three, like Pastor Brian said today, 30 minutes. It doesn't matter if this is your first time ever being here, if you've been coming for six months and just haven't made that step. Jump. You can go in step three today, do step one and step two the next couple weeks and get a part of the dream team. Get out of your seat and put it to your feet. Amen. And then also Chunk or Treat, we talked a couple weeks ago about the vision of our church, and step one was know God, to let people know God. And we just believe that there are going to be so many people on this campus that don't have a church home and might not even know Christ. And so the opportunity to be able to bring them onto this campus and tell them about the church and let them meet us and see that we're normal people, right, normal people, and be able to learn more about God so they might give their heart to the Lord. We are now at 57 people who've committed their life to Christ because of Victory Church. Is that not incredible? 57 people. And so we believe God's just going to continue to build that, and it's exciting. You ready for the word? If you got your Bibles, open to the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 17. There is actually a book called Numbers. I know that's ironic that it would be Numbers and then it would give you Numbers, but that's just kind of how it works. Numbers, chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't, feel more than free to use your phone and get your phone out and Google it, Numbers, chapter 17. And if you don't have either, don't worry, it'll be on the screen behind me. We are currently in a series called From Here to There, and when you walked in, you should have got something like this. So hopefully you got this. If not, our auditorium hosts should be available to be able to bring you some. If you'll just kind of raise your hand. If not, you can certainly get them as you're walking out. So we don't, we don't have a lot of people that have them. All right, there we go. So um, we're in the process of getting these to you. And so the way they work is this is kind of a faith action card, per se. Um, and so you're going to hear me talk a little bit about it, but for the next I guess now six weeks after this, it'll be an eight-week series that we're doing. We're kind of stepping from here to there. In this series, we are believing God to do the impossible in our life and then activating the audacious faith to go along with that. And so you can kind of kind of walk, see how that process happens throughout this card. It makes it interactive. It's one really big bookmark if you want to be able to put it in your Bible. And it's just a really, it's a concept for you to be able to, again, uh, think about what we're talking about and put it to action Monday through Saturday and not just Sunday. So we agreed last week that we don't want to just have life go by and not see God move mightily on our behalf, right? We don't want to just simply live and God and not see God move mightily on our behalf. So the hosts are here now. If you just kind of raise your hand, they'll, they'll get you one of those. Um, and so we looked at Matthew chapter 17, verses 19 and 20, and this, this was kind of the staple verse for this series. And I'm going to, if you weren't here, I'm going to go ahead and give you just kind of a recap. 
Uh, Jesus said, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, which is where we got the title of the series, and it will move, watch this, nothing will be impossible for you. And so we believe that everybody has a here that they want to go there. So, so your here might be your current job, or your, your here might be this dream that's in your heart, or your here might be a family member that's lost, or your here might be a relationship that you're hoping turns into marriage, or whatever your here is, and you're praying and believing that it would go there. So we believe everybody has a here, and everybody has a there. And that's what this concept is, is God, how do I get from here to there? And so we ended last week in the introduction with this question. If nothing was impossible, if nothing was impossible, what would you pray for? I know that kind of is a fantasy concept, but it's important for us to check. If nothing was impossible, what would you pray for? And so that's what you'll end up writing right under this my there. You don't have to do it right now. You can do it now or you could do it later. You could do it this week. You could talk it over with your spouse. You might need to put it in code, right, because you don't want people to know exactly what it is you're believing and praying for and different things. And so, but that's what you're writing right there is you're there. That, that's what you are believing for, okay? Everybody cool with that? Once you've established where you're going and where you want to go, now we have to talk about the process of getting there and how you and I move from here to there. All throughout the Bible, you find people who are moving from here to there. Throughout so many stories, people who are going from where they are to where they want to be. And there's no story more famous than the Israelites, God's people, going from slavery in Egypt to occupying their land in Canaan. That's their here moving to their there. And in their process of moving, they run into a situation that I believe you and I run into all of the time when we try to believe with audacious faith. And we're going to look at that today. So Numbers chapter 13, we'll start reading in verse 25. It says, after 40 days of exploration, they returned from their tour. They made their report to Moses, Aaron, and all of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and they showed the fruit they had brought with them. Now, let me explain. They're there, the land of Canaan. Canaan. Moses says, hey, we need to go investigate. So this is what we want, but we need to go check it out first, right? Anybody, you, you like that? You like to check out something before you believe in it? We're going to get to that in a minute. But they had to go check it out. So they sent some spies to go check it out. And it says, this was their report. So the spies come back, and this is their report. We arrived in the land that you sent us to see, and it is indeed a magnificent country. Who talks like that? When's the last time you went to go check out Hattie B's and you were like, it was, an, it was magnificent chicken. You don't do that. And so a land flowing with milk and honey. Obviously, they're not vegan, right? so it's flowing with milk and honey. And here is some fruit we have brought as proof. The Bible says they were carrying grapes on their shoulders. Could you imagine the size of those grapes? Right, some big grapes. And so, but the people living there are powerful. So grapefruit, milk and honey, but the people living there are powerful, and their cities are fortified and very large. And it says, but Caleb reassured the people as they stood before Moses. So you've got people going, this is bad. We got great stuff, but there's giants and so on. And then here comes Caleb and ultimately Joshua. And they said, let's go up once and, at once and possess it. Let's go up at once and get it, he said, for we are well able to conquer it. Not against people as strong as they are, the other spies said. 
they would crush us. And so the majority of the reports were negative. So, so, so in this verse, again, these 12 spies, they go out and they go to investigate their there, the land of Canaan. And when they come back, 10 of them are saying, this is bad. This is real bad. There's giants. They can crush us. And two of them, Caleb and Joshua, are like, man, we got this. We can do this. We, 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 we could go in and we could possess this land. So they go and investigate, and they come back with two perspectives. Now, let me, let me walk you through this. First of all, you have to understand what it's like to be a kind of person who has to investigate something before they believe it. And I'm one of those people. And here's how I can take you through a series of tests to see if you are one of those people. Because you may be saying, yeah, I, don't, I, I just believe and I step out in faith. I don't investigate. Let me ask you a couple questions. If you were walking into a building that was freshly renovated or being updated, for, per se, and you walked into an area where a wall had been freshly painted, and it had a sign that said, wet paint, do not, and you have to touch it to be able to believe it's wet, you are one of the people that have to investigate before you believe. Now, that's me. I have to do it. If you go and eat at El Camino after church, and the waiter brings your plate in front of you, and he says these words, plate is hot, and you have to go, and see, you have a problem. And I have the same problem. He could tell me, it's, i got to touch it, right? And then you're upset that you touched it because your fingers are burnt. I'm just one of those people where I, in order for me to believe it, I have to investigate it. And so, again, this is what they did. They had to go investigate what they believed. And they came back with two perspectives. Watch this. One perspective could see giants and the other perspective saw opportunity. Okay? So, so 10 of them see giants. Man, I see big people that can crush us. Two of them saw opportunity. Ah, man, we, we, could, we could possess this land. And I like to call this the see-saw faith. Right? We, whenever you and I begin to believe something with audacious faith, whenever you establish your here and you start to believe for there, you are always going to run into two perspectives, what you see and what you saw. Let me explain. With a see and a saw, you've got what you currently see versus what you wish you saw, okay? So what you currently see versus what you wish you saw. So, for example, if you were a Packers fan, uh, you, you, you wish you saw them win the championship this year, but what you see is it not happening. Just want to throw that out there for you. Okay, so, so this, y'all got it? We clear on that? Okay, all right, so um, just make sure you get it. So, and what you see is your current reality. What you see is current reality. What you see, what you wish you saw was future hope. So current reality, present reality, future hope. Right? So, so, so Dylan, Dylan, come here for a second. I'm going to use you for a second. Come here, come here, come here. Let's, let's talk about present, or let's talk about future hope for a second. All right? So what you, what you hope you saw was your boss giving you a raise, right? Go, go over here and come up these stairs, right? Don't pretend like you've never been there before. All right? So, so what you, what you, what you, that future hope you had 
was that that boy would finally ask you to marry him, right? That, that future hope you had is that she would say yes to your awkward invite to date her, right? That she would swipe left or right or up or down, whatever it is you do. And so you sit right here, okay? So, so your future hope is, is you being able to operate in that dream that you have. Your future hope, don't fall in it's a seesaw, all right? And so... Um, your future hope is a raise, or your future hope is that 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 family member would come to know God, or that your future hope is that is that healing in in grandma or grandpa, or whatever the system is. That's your future hope. So you have your future hope. You have what you wish you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your hair is so pretty. Wait. You have what you wish you saw. Then you have what you actually see. Juan, come here for a second. Come here. You you come up the same stairs, Dylan. Come here. So now you have your future hope. Now what you're gonna have? Come here is your current and present reality, okay? So your future hope, what you wish you saw, and your present reality, what you currently see. So go sit over here. All right, so sit on that. Um, let's see if y'all still know how to see. y'all know how to see? Oh. All right, okay. So, again, what, what, what you currently see, what you wish you saw. So, so I wish I got a raise. What I see is everybody getting a job instead of me, Right? What I wish I saw was healing, but what I see is they keep getting sick. What I wish I saw was her saying yes to me on Tinder, and what I currently see is she's ignoring me. You know what I mean? Whatever y'all's dream is, whatever it might be. Okay, so, and you end up in what I like to call the problem of perhaps, okay? So watch this. So keep seesawing for me. Are you breaking the seesaw? Just keep seesawing for me. Now watch this. Here's the perhaps. You ready for the problem of perhaps? Perhaps God's will is for me to get the job. Perhaps it's not. Perhaps God's will is for them to get healed. Perhaps it's not. I used to get so angry when people, when my prayer wouldn't get answered. What is happening? All right, y'all stop moving for a second before y'all break something. I would get so mad when I'd be praying for something and it wouldn't get answered. People go, well, it's just, maybe it's not God's will. Well, that puts me in, why should I ever pray for anything ever again? Right? Because that's all, that could always be the answer. You ever had somebody tell you when you're praying for rain, this happened to me. I was praying for it not to rain for an event one time. And they came to me and said, well, maybe there's a farmer somewhere praying that it would rain. What does that even mean? Why would you say that to me? You know what I mean? And, and so trying to understand the process. And listen, when you, when you get into this seesaw of faith and this up and down of perhaps, perhaps God wants, perhaps God doesn't. Perhaps God wants, perhaps God doesn't. Your prayers will fall prey to the perhaps. And then your faith becomes frustrated being stuck in between future hope and current reality. And this is what it is. We want to believe. We want to believe. Have audacious faith. You can move that mountain. You can pray for that. This can happen. Oh, let's go storm the gates of hell with water guns. Let's go. Ah! And then all of a sudden you run right in to the ups and downs of what you see versus what you saw. I believe for it, but it ain't, it's not looking good. Uh, I saw this happening, but, but, but then this happened. You understand? And here's what I've come to learn is that the longer you go at this, the more support you will actually end up having for what you currently see. Notice that 10 spies came back and said, we see giants. And only two came back and said, we saw opportunity. There will always be more support for what's currently reality than there ever will be support for what you saw in future hope, okay? There will always be, people will always go, well, I told you you shouldn't have done that. 
I told you that one guy, I told you that was a silly prayer, right? I told you he don't like you. I told you you should, you should have quit that job a long time ago. There will always be more support on you. Let's push him down and up. There will always be more support for what you currently see than there will ever be for future hope. So what do we do? What's the process here? If we're going to move as a church into audacious faith and believe for things above and outside of our mind, how do we get out of the seesaw of faith? How do we get out of the ups and downs, the ups and downs? What do we do? What do we do? There has to be something, right? There has to be a counterweight, per se, that would create where the, put your legs up now, where the saw, oh, hello, Stay right there. This is perfect. I don't even need a stool. Where, where, where there has to be a counterweight to be able to interact in the see saw process. So, so, so what would the counterweight be? Y'all go ahead and stand up for a second because I know y'all are uncomfortable. So we'll put you, stay right here. Don't go nowhere. Just stay right here. Because actually, come over here now. What do you do? Because now, you stay right here. Now everything's piling up on the seaside. Do you like that? That was, that was creative. Things piling up on the seaside. Well, that, that shouldn't, that, that, here's what I see, here's what I see. What, what, what's the counterweight process? What do you do? What if I told you that the counterweight for the Israelites was right in front of their nose the entire time? And here's why. Because the land they were trying to possess had a nickname. Do you know what this nickname was? The land they were trying to possess was nicknamed the promised land. So they were going after this land. They were believing for something, and it was already called the promised land. So why was it called the promised land? You guys know? Did you know you were going to get into Bible trivia up here? All right. So sit down right here. Now you put your hands on his shoulders because now there's more and more impact on the seaside. What is the counterweight process that is able to push despite all of the sea? So let me show you. Genesis chapter 12. And here's what God said to Abram, who was ultimately Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. It goes on. So Abram went as the Lord told him to go. So God says go. Abram goes. You following along? All right. And then they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I give this land. So God had already promised the Israelites long before they made this trip, God had already promised them this land. So the very thing that they are believing for is something they've already been promised. Does it make sense? So what is the counterweight for what you see? I'm constantly seeing something that's going against what I saw. And so what is the counterweight to be able to eliminate seesaw faith? And hear me. God's promises always outweigh your perhaps. That will always be the counterweight for you as you're battling what you see. The counterweight will always be the promises of God. We talked last week about Moses and how he's standing in between the Red Sea and this army that's coming after him. And he sees those things. He sees the water, and he sees the bad guys coming. He sees the situation, but the reason why he wasn't overcome by what he could see is because in Exodus 6.6, 6, God had already promised him something. And look at this, Exodus 6.6, 6, here's what it says. It says, I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. 
When Moses outstretched his arm, guess what? The sea split. So the very thing that he was seeing, God had already promised him something. Make sense? When we talked about David, King David, and how David's looking at Goliath, right? And he sees his problem. He sees that he's this big giant that's going to crush him. And he sees everybody surrounding him who are scared of him. And he sees the issue. But he understood that in Judges, God had already promised long before him, all the way down to Samson, that he would deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. So it didn't matter what he could see because he had God's promise. When Abraham could see that Sarah was getting older, right, he could see that she wasn't getting any younger, and he wanted children, it didn't matter what he could see because God had promised him a son that would be his heir from his genealogy. God's promise always counterweights what we see, right? Am I right? So, so, so get back on it. It was a whole purpose for this. Put your, whoa, hold on. Put your arms right here. We need you to help him weigh him down. So, cover it down for a second. All right, so, so how does this work? For you and I in our faith, because if all of you did what I asked you or what I or doing what I asked you, you would have written on your card, you're here. You would have written on your card, you're there. You would have written on your card what it is you're believing for, what it is you're wanting audacious faith for. And so if you're not careful, you'll end up into this situation, this problem. You'll be right in the middle of what you see versus what you saw. Well, pastor told me this, but I'm seeing this, and I'm believing for this, but I'm seeing this. And you'll get frustrated being in the middle of seesaw faith. And so here I am telling you that the counterweight for that is God's promise. Well, how does that work for me? Well, let me show you. All right, Tim, I'm going to bring you. Come here. All right. So let's say that you are praying for, um, praying for a family member to be saved, okay? So you're praying for your brother to be saved, or you're praying for your mom to be saved, or your dad to be saved, and you're believing, you're believing, but what you're seeing is not so much going along with what you're believing. And so before you know it, what you have to do is you have to begin to trust the promises of God. So let me show you a couple promises of God just for a couple of things that we're talking about. All right? So <laughs> just stay right here for one second. All right? So, so there's promises in Scripture where God promised you that he's going to save your children. So as you're believing for your prodigal son or your prodigal daughter, there's promises in Scripture where God says, I'm going to save your children. What if, stay right there, don't go nowhere. What if you were... Believing for, Melanie, I'm about to use you. Come here for a second. What if you were, and, and this is not prophetic when I say this, so stay with me. But what if you were believing for a child, okay? What if you were believing that, that you wanted to be able to have a kid in your family? So come here. So come on, walk up there with me. Stand by Tim, okay? All right, let's say you were believing that. I could tell you that there are scripture and promises in the Bible where God says that he's going to be able to bless your womb and be able to give you children, right? What if you're somebody in here, you got a dream. Jamal, come here for a second. You got a dream and you're believing for a dream. Right? And all of a sudden, you, 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 what you're seeing is not lining up with what you saw. And so now you got to start believing God's promises. And God has promises in the Bible where he says he's going to give you the desires of your heart. And he's got plans for you, plans that exceed, plans from good to great. He's got all these promises. And so what ends up happening, okay, so watch this. So, Melanie, you get on this. You sit right there. You her, all right. Now you put your hands on her shoulders. All right. You put your hands on the other shoulder, on her other shoulder. Every, all right. All right, and so you end up with what you see on one side and what God's promised on the other. Make sense? What you see will always outweigh what you saw. It'll always be back and forth. But once you add God's promises, God's promises, push down a little bit, will always outweigh what you see. 
So our problem with audacious faith is we're back and forth, back and forth. I think, I don't know. God wants, I'm not sure. I see, but I saw. Up and down, up and down. And the only thing you can ever do that will give you that strength of confidence is to pile on God's promises. Hear me. The best thing, the best thing that you will ever be able to do for your faith and for your prayer is to pile on God's promises. Amen? Does it make sense? Do you see it? All right, give all my hand, give all my help a little hand real quick. We'll, we'll, we'll straighten you guys up. You got it? All right. Y'all know how to get off a of seesaw? What is happening right now? We got church going on. People, we, we got, get off the stage. What's wrong with you? All right, so. But I just wanted you to be able to catch that because my entire life, whenever I moved into a situation where I was believing God for something abnormal, something audacious, something impossible, two things would always happen. Number one, it never failed that people would start telling me I was crazy. Can't believe that. You can't, can't, can't believe that. You can't trust in that. Number two, I would start evaluating and investigating what I see. I'd pray for something and it wouldn't be happening. And so I'd bail out of my prayer. And forever, I always fought with this concept. How can I have confidence in my faith? Have you ever read Hebrews 11.1? 1? Let me show you the verse that's made me mad my entire life. Okay? Walk with me on this. Hebrews 11.1. 1. It sounds so great. People get it tattooed. Now faith. You ready? Now faith is confidence. Woo. That's what I'm talking about. That's a good word. Confidence. That make you feel like a man, right? Confidence. I got confidence. I got confidence in what we hope for. Help me with that. How can you have confidence in something you hope for? I hope I don't gain any more weight this year. Right? I don't have confidence in that. Because I'm eating food after we leave here. I hope that the Titans win today in London. I don't have any confidence in that. See what I mean? There's a lot of things you hope for. I hope she likes me. You ain't got no confidence in that. There's a lot of things we hope for, but we can't have confidence in them because we hope for them. Do you understand? How could we ever hope for something we have confidence in? How could we ever conf be have confidence in something we hope for? And then it gets even better. And then you have assurance in what you do not see. I'm going to need some help here. Neither one of those makes sense to me. And so the Christian lingo has always been, you just got to have faith. You just got to have faith. Well, I've been believing for a long time, and what I see isn't lining up with what I saw, and it's hard for me to have confidence in something I hope for, and it's hard for me to have assurance in something that I cannot see. So there's tension for me in my faith. And how do I fix the tension? And here's what this sermon told me. And this, if you don't get anything out of this whole message, you get this right here. The only way you can have confidence in what you hope for is if you hope in something God already promised. That's how you have confidence in it. When you begin to pray for things that God has already promised you, then you can have confidence in what you are asking. That's why the Bible says, ask according to his will and you will receive it. Why? Because you are asking for something that God has already promised you. 
And I had just a few verses. Y'all have those three verses for me that just kind of give you the examples of some of the things? Yep, here we go. So watch this. Praying for a lost family member, right? Isaiah 49, 25, even the captives of the most mighty and most terrible shall all be freed. uh, For fight those who fight you, and I will save your children. So what does it look like? If you're praying for a a lost kid, you're trying to believe that God would, would be able to reach out, you're praying Isaiah 49, 25. God, you said, you said that you would save my children. I'm believing for this, but I'm standing on the promise of God. Isn't that incredible? Maybe you're in here and you're like, hey, look, I, me and my husband, we would really love, me and my wife would really love to be able to start a family, but, the, but God hasn't really opened that door for us. Watch this, watch this. Uh, go ahead and throw it. Psalms 113.9. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to believe and I'm going to pray God's promise. I'm going to believe, and I'm going to pray God's promise. Watch this. Those of you that you've been believing for a dream, something in your heart that you wish God would activate, again, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Jeremiah 20, for I know the plans he had for me, says the Lord. Uh, there are the plans for God, for good and not for disaster. I give you future and a hope. This is what it means to be able to pray the promises of God over your life. Here's what I think a lot of us do when we call it faith. Somebody comes to us and they say, hey, what do you believe for? And you go, um, uh, hold on. Uh, that. Let's believe for that. And then we get angry when that doesn't happen. And that was never the system. The system that God set up to be able to give us confidence and our faith in what we prayed for, this is how it should look. Hey, what are you believing for? I don't know. Let me go see what God's already promised me. And when I go check what God's promised me, then I'll begin to pray for that. And when that happens, then I have confidence in what I'm hoping for, and I have faith in what I cannot see. So, this card you have, my there, and if you notice right under it, it says, build your case. See that? Because a lot of us, when we pray, we build our own case. God, I kind of want this, and here's why I want it. Could you give me this? We build our case. When you pray scripture and the promises of God, you build God's case. Which one do you think is more impactful, to build your own or to build his? So this is setting you up, saying, hey, what's your prayer? What's the verse? And what's the promise? See that? I'm going to give you my application And then you can assess that over this week into your application. I told you a couple weeks ago that my vision is to create a church in this city where every one of the 32,000 people that don't know Christ, who don't profess faith, who don't go to church, will be experiencing the power and salvation of Jesus Christ. That's my dream. That's why I think God moved us here, to be able to build a church that's reaching lost people all throughout our community. And I've prayed that for years. But listen, It's hard to find a verse that you pray towards that. Because you could say, well, you know, the Bible says make disciples of all nations and all this kind of stuff. You could give me a few things. But what I'm talking about is a little bit more strategic. I'm talking about us being able to come into this place and impact people and watch it grow and change lives all throughout our city. And so one morning I'm praying and a buddy of mine runs up to the top of the gym where I'm, I'm walking on the track. And he goes, hey, man, I, 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 he, he, literally, this guy's large. He doesn't run. Not, not large. He's tall. He doesn't run. So he came, came running upstairs, and he's got this book in his hand. 
He's like, you got to see something, you got to see something. And he reads me this verse in this book. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, man, what book is that? And he says, it's the prayer of Jabez. I was like, okay, I'm going to get that book. So we talked a little bit. He laughed when did his thing. A couple months go by. We get into this series, and God reminds me of that book. So I go and buy it. And I read through the book. And this entire time, I've been asking God for a promise to stand on. God, give me a promise to stand on. Because I'm not going to pray for us to impact Smyrna if it's not your will. I don't want to be in that seesaw of faith because it's nothing but frustration. And then God showed me that prayer of Jabez. And what he said in 1 Chronicles 4.10 was this. He said, God, bless me and enlarge my territory. Now, when you first hear that, you're going to think the way I thought, which was, that sounds really selfish. A little conceited. Bless me and enlarge my territory. But the guy in the book said it like this. He said, you're praying for more ministry for him. Enlarge my territory means give us more opportunity to impact more lives for him. And so that's the promise I've been praying for the past three months now. And I don't have any frustration in my faith because I'm not praying my perhaps, I'm praying God's promise. Whatever it is that God's put on your heart, whatever your here is that you're trying to go there with, hear me, the very first thing you need to do is make sure it lines up with the promises of God. And once you figure that out, you can pray with confidence and with boldness and with assurance that whatever it is you're believing for will come to pass. Because it's God's promise for you already. You're praying for your marriage? I'll tell you, there's a promise in the Bible for that. You're praying that God would give you a family? There's a promise in the Bible for that. Praying for a dream and a desire God's put in your heart? There's a promise in the Bible for that. Praying for a lost family member? Praying for healing? Find the promises in the Bible and pray the promise. Because God's promise will always outweigh your perhaps. Amen? Lord, we thank you for who you are and your faithfulness. God, we thank you that you don't just, you don't hype us up. We don't walk out of here with bold and audacious faith with absolutely no foundation. But God, instead, when we pray, we pray your promises. And God, when we're praying your promises, we have assurance. I love that now I see Hebrews 11 verse 1 totally different. Because God, now I can have faith, I can now have assurance, and I can now have confidence in the faith that I have. Because I'm not praying my perhaps, I'm praying your promise. For just a moment, would you let the Lord speak to you? What that here is for you? Where you're wanting to go, what your there is? Just begin to ask God, have you promised me this? Does your word promise that this will come to pass? And I want to challenge every one of you this week, the next six days. Get your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. If you don't want a paper Bible, they're all over the internet. And start to search for the desire 
of your heart and find out if God has promised that to you in his word. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your work that is still operating today. It's still alive and it's moving in our lives. And I thank you that we can stand on it with boldness and with confidence. We have a God that is still alive and still moving and still working. And your word that you spoke thousands of years ago is still operating and still alive in our lives. And that God, most of all, above everything, they are promises that you made, not just to the Israelites, but God, to your children, to us. You have made promises to us. And so many of us operate through life never acknowledging those promises. So I pray you'd make our heart tender to them. And I pray you would move us to search for them, to look for them, so that we could pray them and stand on them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.